0: Football on Off The Ball With Sky Watch Premier League Women's Super League Scottish Premiership And much more Live on Sky Sports Now then you're welcome Max So as uh, we've been discussing Manchester City champions For a fourth time in five years Liverpool uh, Perhaps playing the best football And certainly producing The best points tallies Across several seasons Of any second place team In history They uh, looked on once again, Philippe O'Claire is with us to reflect on a dramatic day. Philippe, great to have you on. Well, thank you very much for having me. Uh, drama to the end, I suppose, in many respects, a fitting finale to what has been an exceptional title race. Did you spend more of your time at the Etihad or at Anfield?
1: I spend more of my time actually at. Arsenal, if you can believe it, <laughs> I, I was at uh, the last game against Everton um, and was like everybody else, keeping an eye on what was happening uh, away from from uh, the Emirates Stadium as well as what was happening in front of me. But uh, yes, quite quite a last day. I mean, even if if you look at it um, with hindsight, it was never in doubt, of course. <laughs> well,
0: in hindsight, with it never in doubt, it really felt mm. like it for. So much of the yes. day, I just had that air sometimes and players are not immune to the psychology and the emotion. And it yes. had an air. And once Villa scored that first goal after 30 plus minutes of city pressure and not least the second, it really had that air.
1: It, it had. And also there had been this feeling, I think, for quite a while now that there was a kind of irresistible wind, which was um, billowing and um, the sails the of Liverpool were billowing with that wind and that something will happen would happen that would actually give them the title at the very last minute. And to be honest, when, when they went down to Wolves, everybody thought, well, actually, that's quite a path for the course for Liverpool. They don't know how to do things easily. We know they're going to equalise. We know they're going to win. And they did equalise, and they did win. Um, but what was happening at, um, at, at, in Manchester City um, certainly was, you know, fueling, I suppose, the hopes of many. I, 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 it's it's a word that I use with uh, um, a little bit of um, hesitancy, perhaps, because it's the old argument uh, was the, were the media and the fans in general uh, hoping for Liverpool to upset the cart at the very last minute, probably as a matter of fact. But uh, yes, it, it felt that way, and it felt as well that Manchester City is a team that revealed its fragility at the very last time at the very last hurdle. And you thought, do they have the qualities to to overcome that? And they found the qualities, and which is perhaps what is going to give this title, uh, a very special flavor for them, I suppose, Uh, because they were not the underdogs, it was not like 2012 and Aguero 90 minutes, plus 53 seconds or something like that was nothing like that. They were the favorites. Um, They were, as some had expected, that they they were finding things difficult at the very last minute and they overcame that. And I don't think that everybody uh, among us thought that they had those qualities within them, as well as the others, which we've admired all through the season.
0: Mm. We saw Pep's emotion at full time, initial elation. Yeah. And then perhaps almost a delayed reaction to being so close to the precipice. And he would have been criticised for a team selection and then more broadly criticised for underachieving with the billions spent. And he jogged down the tunnel, which was kind of a striking moment as well. Where do you think Pep was
1: at yesterday? (laughs) Um, First of all, um, for somebody who has been criticised often and sometimes actually most often, rightly so, for not being perhaps the best at managing what is unfolding in front of his eyes on the pitch, uh, probably unsurpassed when it comes to preparing his players for facing up um, to what they were going to encounter during a game, he actually got the calls right. He got every single call right. You just have to see who was involved in those three goals to, to see that. Um, and I think there is a, a measure uh, with Manchester City of feeling that uh, it is a title, a third title in four years. and But... I wouldn't say it's a failure, but it's not quite what what they were hoping for. Um, and I would imagine it's relief. Um, you know, he's a very intense, very odd man to understand at times. Uh, some of his reactions surprises uh, more often than not. And um, yeah, relief was probably the deepest emotion in him. Um, pride as well, I would imagine, but. I, I can't think for one second that there wouldn't be a part of uh, of him that wasn't thinking of how this team, which had known how to react in a very difficult moment, had failed to do so in Europe at the same time. So um, I think conflicting emotions, perhaps, uh, for him and for, for his players and for, I think, a number of Manchester City supporters. Well,
0: in truth, it also helps when it's Aston Villa and you've plucked their best player by some distance to sit on your bench versus Real Madrid. Hmm. I'm not sure they've suddenly discovered it. <laughs> like, to, but I'll be uh, holding my breath still next season in Europe.
1: Well, um, it, it is going to be the great, uh, for the time being, of course, an answered, quest, an answered question, is that yeah. obviously it is the ultimate aim of this so-called project. Um, they've now got the... Um, Cyborg, the super player, whom they hope is going to be a catalyst, who is going to enable them to go past that last hurdle, which they failed at so often. I mean, actually, every time since Pep has been uh, at the helm, there, um, it's it's an it's an odd one um, because looking at the reactions from Manchester City fans um, across the board and in social media, uh, obviously they, there's a great deal of happiness and relief and so forth, but there is also A certain degree of uh, I don't think people or we don't think that people realize what we're doing at the moment and that we're not perhaps appreciating what this team has been uh, achieving over the past few years uh, for what it for what it was that there is a certain degree of reluctance uh, in a way to uh, to go full-on with our admiration our respect is obviously uh, a given but our admiration and our emotional connection with what's been achieved Mm which again is completely different to what people are feeling towards what Liverpool has achieved and could be achieving uh, in a few days' time.
0: And do you feel that's more to do with the source of the money or the amounts of the money?
1: I think it's got to do with the source of the money. Uh, I think it's got to do with the amount of money. Is I think it's got to do with the personality of, of the managers. I think it's got to do with also the kind of football that both are playing. One which is striving for perfection, perhaps. And the other, which is reveling in its own imperfections, and in finding ways um, to 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 beat those imperfections, and perhaps makes you stand out of your of your seat more often than the other one does. Um, I've, I think that there is something uh, about Liverpool uh, which is a kind of football with a human dimension, so a fallible dimension which is in some ways missing from Manchester City, which is odd because Manchester City has failed on a number of occasions, not on this one, obviously. Hmm. Um, but somehow, because of the investment, the nature of the investment, because, but, but also I think because of the personalities involved. You know, they, Liverpool Liverpool's team is full of characters, personalities that you can feel a very direct and very strong emotional connection with. I wouldn't say necessarily the same of the people who are in in Manchester City squad. There are obviously some players like this, like Kevin De Bruyne, who obviously is one of them. Um, but you do not quite have the same emotional connection unless you're obviously a Manchester City supporter, and that is a question of not just image but perception. And I'm also thinking of uh, the actual personality of mm. of the players who are involved and the technical staff who are involved. It's, there is something. Despite the beauty of some of the football that Manchester City has been proposing, you know, for years now, and this year as much as, as any other year, uh, that is still slightly mechanical or is slightly, or it's perceived as mechanical, which is not the case at all of their most direct rival. And I should say their only rival in England, yes. because there's one thing we shouldn't forget is yeah. that if Liverpool weren't around and Jürgen Clubs Liverpool weren't around, we would have had... Uh, a complete domination of the Premier League by Manchester City which would be akin to what we've seen from PSG uh, from Bayern Munich and up until recently from Juventus so in a way Liverpool is the club that is hiding the fact that Manchester City are so far ahead of everybody else
0: Yeah I was just going to bring that up with you and it is the interesting dynamic as Erling Haaland prepares to arrive and, and mm-hmm. further boost Manchester City and it feels like Liverpool are operating at breakneck speed and yes perfection in the transfer market and Jurgen Klopp's energy levels and enthusiasm are as great as ever. But this is just to keep pace with City and, and yeah. generally across the last number of years come up short. Chelsea mushroom up occasionally, but we don't know what the post of era even looks like. And then beyond that, there really is nothing at the moment. So at a glance, the league and the finale, everything's in such rude health, but on closer inspection, yeah, were Liverpool to go into any kind of decline of sorts, then this era of Manchester City domination would not be remembered very fondly. Uh, how City looked beyond Pep when he decides to go is a very interesting question.
1: Well, um, I think this is this, the play that we have on, on, on the theatre scene at the moment is going to go on for a few seasons yet. Yeah. Uh, Jürgen Klopp has signed a new contract, Pep Guardiola has decided to stay on as well. So this is a dialogue, uh, a duel that we're going to be um, the privileged witnesses to um, for, you know, a few years to come. Um, But it's true that other than that, it's very difficult to see where the challenge is going to come from. I mean, the obvious club to look at would be Manchester United, obviously, who have uh, actually, if you look at the net spend of um, Premier League clubs over the past, I mean, since Jurgen Klopp arrived, uh, at Liverpool in 2015, I think Manchester United come in second position and Chelsea in third. The Manchester, Manchester United are the only ones who are close enough to Manchester City to be, you know, considered challengers. Liverpool, amazingly enough, only come 10th in that classification, which is quite extraordinary. I mean, it tells you how exceptional uh, the work that Jürgen Klopp has been doing uh, has been. And Jürgen Klopp and obviously the people, the, the scouts, the people who are in charge of the recruitment, which has been, you know, Non uh, pare, to coin a phrase. Um, uh, it, it, it's, yeah, there, there is within this league, which is presented and sells itself as the most competitive in the world, as the the, the league in which every weekend you can have great surprises. In fact, you don't. That's the thing. It, it's all again a question of perception. Manchester City are way, way ahead of everybody else. And it's because of one thing, I mean, well, several things. Of course, the talent, some would say the genius of Pep Guardiola, and the quality of the players, and especially the size of the wage bill. Uh, The size of the wage bill is what determines where a team will finish. Um, You know, I was going to say more often than not. In fact, no, always. If you look at the teams which went down, if you look at, um, you know, Watford, Norwich, Burnley, and you look at Leeds as well, who were in real trouble until the very last second almost, um, these four teams are the four which have the smallest wage packet of the premier league it's it's not by chance it's not a coincidence it's just the way it works in modern football hmm. i think for monster for them in order to get a performance and a result they need to concentrate on how well they have played over the last eight weeks since that kind of both six nations win. the red 78 with alan quillen and Neil briggs subscribe to the rugby channel on the otb sports app and turn on your notifications now
0: Speaking of wage packets, that brings us neatly on to Mbappe for a moment.
1: <laughs> yes. Well, that's something else, isn't it? Because don't forget the signing on bonus. Uh, the exact figures are not exactly known, um, but and it's it is this signing on uh, bonus uh, which is making him. I mean, yeah, the best paid player in Liga by a distance. Um, and I think now a rival. I mean, again, I'm just saying that by looking at some figures, which some people who know about PSG have been telling me, we're looking at something which we have never looked at before. It's um, it's insane, actually. What kind of ballpark, Philippe? Uh, the ballpark. We're talking net as well, which is you know complicates things because in some countries you you know you have gross salaries like in in england for example in France as in italy you talk about net salaries so after tax um so you're talking about um, a salary of perhaps 30 million euros something like that per year net of tax where you're talking about um, a signing on fee which apparently is in the area of 130 million
0: net nice.
1: yeah oh my god yeah uh, I, to be honest, I mean these figures. I'm not, you know, I I, I haven't received a, a text message from Nasser Al-Halifi confirming that. Sure. But these are figures which have been, you know, given to me by people who follow PSG very, very closely, day by day, and who seem to be quite confident in what they're saying. It's it's absolutely huge.
0: It is a very naive question, clearly, to ask. But given that they lost 200 plus million last year, and there's uh, some, yeah, at least uh, veneer of financial fair play supposedly intact here, how?
1: Well, the rules have changed the goalposts have been moved uh, first of all there was covid uh, which led to the suspension of financial fair play by ufa yeah. uh, then you've got the regulations of the french league which enable in fact um, owners to do this kind of thing because what what the, um, the french dncg uh, the, NCG, uh, the which looks after the finances of the French clubs, is looking at his uh, financial equilibrium balance. So as long as the owner is willing to put in money and can make the books balanced, that's fine. Okay. So no problem on that side. Okay. And, and, and UEFA has uh, you know, changed the, the FPF rules. Uh, they seem to be much more um, uh, conveniently uh, for PSG and for Manchester City and others. Uh, they seem to be far more lax. So the age of financial fair play, if it ever existed, because we know how clubs found ways around them, this age is over.
0: Mbappe in his press conference uh, was at pains to point out that all the reports of him having a say in who's the manager or transfer decisions or management decisions, nonsense. I remain a footballer who's part of the team. I will not go beyond this role. I won't go beyond my role as a player.
1: Mm -hmm. That goes against every single piece of information I've uh, received over the past few days.
0: But that's an insane level of power to give any player.
1: I think that um, I, mean, I was asking myself the question: Has a player ever been given that amount of control over what was happening in his club? And I think the only example, and I'm probably wrong, there might be others in the past, but the only one I could come up with was Lionel Messi after Pep Guardiola left. And you remember how he played? You know, he played an active part in in finding uh, a, a new manager. Um, he was basically a ruler uh, of a kind, certainly of the dressing room with many decisions implying the the, the board of of Barcelona. Uh, In this particular case, uh, it seems that we we are entering a new age uh, as far as PSG is concerned, because the the thing is that a, a lot of other things are changing at PSG. When we talk about Kylian Mbappe deciding to stay on, signing this contract, Uh, being involved obviously in the decision making process perhaps not up to the extent that some people are saying but the other thing is that leonardo has gone you know the sports director has
0: sacked over the weekend
1: yeah and apparently there's talk about luis campos coming in who is much more of a hands-on uh i was going i was going to call him a technocrat i mean that's perhaps not the right word to use but i think you get my drift here uh, somebody was, you know, looking at the dossier, analyzing, analyzing all the data and so forth, uh, not quite as flamboyant a figure as Leonardo was, uh, who was very happy to brief friendly media, who was very uh, forward, uh, presented himself almost as Mr. PSG at times, and also uh, had direct conflict with a number of his, uh, of his managers and made some quite strange choices, it must be said, at, at times. It seemed that age is gone. And that in, in that place, we're talking about a possible so a change of sports director. Kylian Mbappé staying and becoming uh, the focus, I mean, the number one focus of, of this team. Uh, we are talking as well about a change of manager. Um, apparently, Mauricio Pochettino is very keen to see out his contract, but not everybody at the club is willing to, to go with that. So we're talking about a restructuring of the club. Um, which in a way is quite logical when you see that the club has failed. It has failed. It has played one Champions League final. And again, like Manchester City, it is the competition they want to win because in France, they're so far ahead of everybody in financial terms, in terms of playing s- squad and everything else. You know, whereas, you know, Marseille is, has lost Camara to uh, uh, to Aston Villa. This is not going to happen to uh, to Paris Saint-Germain. So... Uh, apparently there is a, a whole, I mean, the, the the summer is going to be quite crazy there. There's a whole overhaul of the structure, which was a dysfunctional structure, as has been proved on the pitch and off the pitch on, the, on a number of occasions.
0: Mm. Uh, we're out of time, as tends to be uh, the case whenever we talk to you. It's always very interesting. But I know you did want to mention and you were tweeting about an acclaimed singer songwriter from this part of the world who died very suddenly or after an illness excuse me not very suddenly
1: um well yes and 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 thank you um i i just wanted to um salute um somebody i'd known for over 35 years and um for me one of the great voices of of pop music uh carol Cochran of micro disney fatima mentions and and then carol cochland himself and um whom I known for a very long time, um, whom I was fortunate, lucky, privileged to, to work with on, on a few occasions, uh, a, a friend. And um, I'm, I've been very hit very, very hard indeed by the news that Carol had died. And uh, I know that in Ireland as well, there are thousands and thousands of people who will feel like I feel now. And my privilege is that I, I, I knew him and, um, and he was a friend. And we worked together, and we sang together. And believe me, that that is a privilege that wasn't given to uh, to many people, and something I will cherish forever. I I loved him, and I will always love him.
0: Okay, condolences. I didn't realize yet that relationship with yes. him, Filippo Clare. Pleasure. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you. Football on off the ball with Sky. Watch Premier League, Women's Super League, Scottish Premiership, and much more live on Sky Sports.